This episode is brought to you by the generosity of our listeners. So not only did we forever change women's hockey, but we were able to still go to the games and still compete, and it was just unbelievable. That's Gigi Marvin, gold and silver medalist and three-time women's hockey Olympian on this episode of the Bold Idea Podcast. Put your faith to work. This is the Bold Idea Podcast with ideas, interviews, and inspiration to bring your bold ideas to life. Here are your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bold Idea Podcast. This is your co-host, Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. And we're here to say thank you for joining us, and uh, we're glad that you're a part of this show. We want to put your faith to work. We want to put our faith to work, and... Yeah, I mean, that's really why we do these things, right? We bring these guests on so right. we can be stimulated in our own. You know, this is this our, is for us. You guys just get to listen. Yeah, we're, we're just letting you in on the ride here because uh, this really is one of those things where we like to find interesting guests and uh, and have our own uh, faith conversations stirred and our own hearts stirred. And I think you'll find that in this episode as well. We have Gigi Marvin on the program. She is a professional women's hockey player and for the past 12 years has played in 118 international games representing the United States. She is a gold medal winner in the 2018 Olympic hockey team. She was the one who scored the first goal in the Team USA shootout with Canada to win the gold. And she's won two silver medals as well in 2010 and 2014 Olympics. She's also the owner of a hockey school in Minnesota, travels the country speaking, and just is on fire for Jesus. And so we want to welcome to the Bold Idea podcast, Gigi Marvin. Gigi, welcome. Thanks for having me. Oh, so good to have you. I I have <laughs> never, ever, ever Ever, ever spoken to an Olympic champion, <laughs> much less someone who's won three Olympic medals. I mean, so I'm I'm really kind of tickled pink. But here's I want to start first. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Mean? I don't know where did that expression come from. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a foreigner, so all these are over my head. But see, this is okay for me because I'm not a millennial. I can say tickled pink, and people, some people would understand what that <laughs> Whatever means. Whatever works, for you. even though we don't know what it means. <laughs> So here's a question for you, Gigi, right off the bat. What was that like? What was going through your mind? What was, go- what was going through, you know, your whole body, whatever, when you won the gold? I mean, that had to be just such an exhilaration. It is. It's, a, it's so hard to describe. There's actually, the media took a photo of our bench probably a couple seconds after Maddie Rooney made that last shootout save, which meant our team won the gold medal and something we'd worked for and dreamed about our, you know, majority of our lives. And I remember everything felt slow-mo. I'm standing on the bench, Uh watch Canada go down. Maddie makes a save and it was slow-mo. I have my teammates who are sprinting out the boards. Their their gloves and helmets and sticks are literally exploding like fireworks in the air. And I'm just like slow motion, hands on my head, almost about to sit down. And my teammates like, no, you got to go. We got to go celebrate, you know, and... So it, for me, I was just overcome and overwhelmed by, holy cow, like, this is everything we've worked for and trained for and, pray, like, for me, prayed about. And, you know, I was, I still don't really have words. I'm so grateful and appreciative. It was such a joyful moment for our team and for myself and my family. And it's really cool to share that moment with um, people all over the country since we won. Well, you you had to be... I, I can't imagine sleeping after something like that. I mean, just you, you had to be walking around just exhilarated for days and just like in this state of disbelief. But 
What was it like for you as you were approaching the goal on that shootout? You scored the first shootout goal. And what what was going through your mind as you were just like, don't mess up, don't mess up. Like, or, or you know, I can't tell you what I would be thinking, but, but what was going on in your mind as you did that? Well, I had so much peace. It was one of the, I mean, I had peace so much at the Olympics and it's interesting. I mean, we prayed, my, a couple of my friends and I and some of my teammates, we'd pray in the weeks leading up to the Olympics for God's peace to be present. And Second Thessalonians talks about that. And I mean, we prayed actually specifically that day before the game also for, and so I honestly, it's so fun to be able to kind of share that moment of, I had such clarity of mind, such peace, such appreciation mm. uh, and confidence in who I was created to be, who my teammates were created to be. So there wasn't um, fear, which I've had times where you get fear and nerves mm. and anxiety, but mm. gosh, I had the biggest smile on my face. And so I knew I was going, I'd gone in shootouts before. And so um, I was kind of, uh, I was just prepared mentally for it. And our coach let me know I was going first. And so I had so much fun. I had a smile on my face. I mean, I didn't plan on falling at the end. <laughs> Everyone, all the kids who I've met since, they watched the game so thoroughly. They're like, Jeej, did you plan on missing the puck? And I'm like, because that's an actual move where you fake everyone out by missing the puck, but mm-hmm. really just deking the goalie out and shooting. And I'm that is not at all what I was planning on doing. <laughs> but hey, it worked out and a goal is a goal and it counted and it was cute because a lot of my cousins still today, like the other day we were watching um, my friend uh, play in the Stanley Cup final and he won the cup and they were just still caught up in the Olympics of this moment and asking me again over and over, geez, what was it like? You know, it's so cool to be able to share that experience with everyone and just... For me, I love it even more so because I get to share, yeah, you know what? God was present in hockey, in sports, in that moment. I know his peace was with me and it was so real to me. And it's something that I felt in the days leading up to it, but specifically God was there in that moment, you know, Mm -hmm. which is awesome to be able to celebrate that. You know, it's certainly when you described how you were feeling as you were skating toward that goal and and just the, the peace and comfort you had, certainly... Uh, you know, I'm replaying the scene that I watched of you doing that. And just like that, that really adds a different texture to what's going on when you see, you know, a skater moving toward the goal, just to kind of hear what you were, what frame of mind you were in as you were doing that. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, So as athletes, I'm sure you've talked to many or even read stories, like the biggest thing, I mean, everyone's skilled, everyone's talented, everyone is strong and fast, but what separates is your mind. And so obviously mentally, like I've, you know, we go through different scenarios and every single day, constantly putting ourselves in that situation. What are you going to do if you miss the puck? What are you going to do if your name's called? What if you're first? What if you're fifth? What if you constantly go through all these situations? It's just how you mentally prepare. But it's amazing because, you know, my preparation is every, well, everything is done through the lens of Christ. And so, yes, people, some people enjoy mindfulness, but for me, it's fun to say, well, actually, the Bible is so practical in how we visualize and mentally prepare for our sport. You know, because some it's very hard sometimes to, how do you relate with Jesus in sport? Well, it's awesome because in also a couple of his testimonies, actually that morning, the day of the Olympic gold medal game, here I am kind of in the morning. Okay, God, what if we fail? Or, you know, fears come into mind. Mm-hmm. God brought me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, where it says, take captive your thoughts. And just mm-hmm. immediately that was the one. And I'm like, how cool is this to just 
go and say, yes, of course, mindfulness is great or yoga or, you know, everything else people do. But I believe in Jesus and the power of a transformed mind. And God says, take your thoughts captive. And so here I am in this moment, again, able to apply what the scripture says. And God is just like, so uh, like so present in our daily lives. And I just happen to be an athlete, but I mean, it's, he's there in the offices and the cubicles on the, at the ranch when you're farming, like he's in every capacity of this earth. And it's just really cool to be able to relate with so many other athletes and fans and sports journalists, even who that, no, God is so with us and he's, mm-hmm. he's evident. And so that was kind of my mentality going into it of, you know, I can take that thought captive and, you know, I, not going to be nervous. I'm not going to freak out. We're not going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm, everything rests on my shoulders. And, and because God had prepared kind of my mind and soul that morning, but obviously every day prior that, hey, you know what? Just have so much fun. Uh, this is going to be awesome. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. You, you, you practice Christfulness, you know? <laughs> Let them do mindfulness. You're going to practice Christfulness. Yeah. Well, Gigi, you... you travel around the country and you you speak to audiences and you inspire them with your faith story. And and we heard you most recently at the Minnesota Prayer Breakfast. Why don't you talk about what you shared to that audience? That was such a great experience personally for me. I've never been to a prayer breakfast. And so there's about 1,500 and I was asked to speak and share just some a few thoughts. And Obviously, it was so fun. It was right after the Olympic gold medal. And so we were all celebrating. But kind of the bigger thing for me, as much as that victory was important, was I shared the memories from a year prior. So in March of 2017, my 23 teammates and I, we were selected to go compete at a tournament in Michigan that in early April. Well, what we decided to do instead because of the culture and what was happening with USA hockey, we decided to boycott it because there had been no change, no equal support. There was just such a giant gap between how women were treated and how men were treated and therefore how boys were treated and girls. And so um, what we decided to do is like kind of, we basically risked our future risked all the relationships we built, knowing that it was an Olympic year, we we knew that we were putting our necks in the line of, holy cow, this might come back to backlash us, like backlash. They might just say, hey, we're not going to select you for the Olympic team. And you had some who were 12-year veterans like myself, and you had some who were first-timers. And it's difficult either way because you know how you don't get to compete on your home soil very often. We have nine games a year, and we were about to risk five of them. And I just kind of shared in that moment where, you know, you're, there's great personal risk. I was reminded of Esther and I drew a lot of strength and courage from what position she was in because she knew she had a ton to lose. But it was more so important for the change for her whole country to experience by what she did. And I just am so grateful, you know, for Esther's, the strength God provided Esther and her example because my teammates and I, that's what I relied on as you're willing to risk so much personally because like this doesn't really affect me it's going to affect my little niece my little cousins all the girls I coach in the summer it's you know this is so far reaching and thankfully we were able to we were able to make a landmark agreement with USA Hockey two days before the um, tournament started so not only did we forever change women's hockey um, but we were able to still go to the games and still compete and it was just unbelievable and I'm so grateful for the strength and the unity that our team had, because not it wasn't just our 23, it was every single woman's player from high school on up 
because USA Hockey still reached to them. And so I'm very, 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 that was probably one of the, by far one of the more long lasting impactful moments that I've ever been able to be a part of. And sounds like one of the really scary ones too. Right. Yeah. There's a lot. I mean, you know, I, you lose five games of a nine game season, you lose home ice tournament that is only, I think I've only played on one in my 12 years on home soil. And probably most significant is knowing that we have Olympic tryouts in about six weeks and we could each of us face a humongous backlash because of our current stance and burn a ton of bridges that we've spent a long time developing because it's almost like you're biting off the hand that feeds you in a way because we did compete for USA Hockey. However, just the current status quo was was not even kind of good. It, it was so far below the level of what is acceptable just in life that it was, we're like, we, we cannot do this, not only for ourselves, but every single child growing up, every single kid who's in high school right now playing on a high school team who, like, this is not fair to them. And so, it, yeah, it was very challenging but I'm grateful for the strength of the Lord to, in his wisdom and his kind of reminded me, hey, you know what? You're not alone in this. People have done this before you. Most probably prominently would be Esther. And so we went back and studied a lot about her <laughs> during that time and her character. Gigi, what does it take for you to make that bold of a move with that much risk involved? I think for us, there's six of us who had been two-time Olympians. So now obviously we're three-time Olympians. And so we've been in the program long enough. We've seen so many of this same issues never dealt with, never even considered. And so it took a lot of strength and acknowledgement of, hey, this is just not right. And more than not even acceptable, it's not even like, we can't even come up with the right word, proper word, I guess. And so it, I think it just took a lot of strength and willingness. I mean, I have unbelievable teammates like the character in that room is just on I've never been around more powerful women who are so quick to surrender what is maybe instant gratification or what they might like they were every single one of them unanimously were willing to surrender what they had in order for the betterment of the future of women who would come our way and girls like all of us I mean I know I'm an I have an aunt I have other teammates who are aunts other one of them is going to be a mom. And like just the thought of how can we let another day go by without making change, knowing that we're going to be moms and we're, we have nieces, we have little girl cousins who are growing up and who are going to follow in our path. And how can we leave it the same? We just, we couldn't sit with that. And so I'm very grateful for the strength of, you know, and just seeing that every single day, the, the girl's yeah, my teammates and I, like, they're just so willing to sacrifice what they had in order to create, you know, the, the like, such blessing, I guess, in the future because <laughs> something needed to change and dramatically. I mean, it'd been 21 years and not one thing changed. You know, that's just, I shouldn't, that's pretty harsh, but 21 years and there's very minimal change. Like, that's just, that's yeah, it it was time. <laughs> so I'm kind of curious about the practical applications of change here because, you know, there's a lot of social movements, a lot of people that band together to try to create changes, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, the 
the the kneeling before the, the the anthem is one way of protesting and try to get change and you know the the cheerleader issues that's going on with the NFL and you know we're seeing it it seems like more and more that there's issues that that groups are trying to band together certainly your players the 23 of you banded together to try to bring about some change that you saw necessary how did you decide upon what it was that you were going to be seeking. How did you just get to the, this is a core for us. This is what we, if we can't get this addressed, we're going to boycott. Much of it came through our experience. Like I mentioned, there are six of us who at that time have been two-time Olympians. So we'd all been on the program basically since 2006, 2007. So, I mean, you got 10, 11 years of the same stuff. And so it just kind of it was very easy for us to sit down and rattle off at least 10 huge things that were like, not one of these things has changed. Why is that? Or, you know, the issues and the topics that needed to be changed, that wasn't a difficult thing. It was more so um, kind of finding a voice and then having the strength behind to actually get what we knew had to be discussed actually one first of all agreed to be discussed and then second of all agreed oh actually yeah that is kind of important maybe we should start addressing these things and so yeah the the kind of x's and o's if you will those are very clear and Uh easy for us because we had been there for 10 a decade i mean it was very no it was easy but it was more so difficult getting attention and then therefore coming to even a desire to discuss these Uh and then of course the hardest thing is getting to okay like we'll actually agree to look into some of these things and then enact change kind of a thing i'm curious was there a specific issue that surprised you that of of the willingness to address and change well i will just speak to the ones that we definitely wanted i guess the priorities you know i think for us, I mean, money wasn't even the main one. For us, we wanted more games. Like, I think that was just the ma- major thing is we've played nine games a year for, like I said, maybe 20 years. And, like, that's it. Like, nine games a year. And you're the national team. And with, you know, the success that we've had of winning seven and the not past nine world championships and most recently the gold medal at the Olympics and the four straight world championships, in addition to all the four nations tournaments we've won, we mainly were just like more programming, more resources, more things that just more health, health benefit, like just kind of things that were already available, not even necessarily getting compensated. That was mm-hmm. obviously a part of the issue mm-hmm. um, because <laughs> if you break down the numbers, it's a little, it's just kind of, crazy but for us it was just more so we want to play like mm-hmm. we are the best whoever's on this team is considered the best in america which to be fair is basically you know you're right up there and saying you're one of the best in the world and how how is it that they train 50 weeks out of 52 and have nine games to look forward to like that's just kind of crazy and so you have that programming then you have coupled with that is the under 18 team coupled that with that is how is the youth program development going. Also, how is the women's pro league going? You know, there's Mm -hmm. so much that goes into it. And so Mm -hmm. that was our biggest drive of we want, you know, how can you create sustainable programs for your young kids then to move into obviously college, you're taking care of that's its own engine. But then what do you do with your college kids after? And then what do you do with your national team? You know, how can you increase that? Because 
if you parallel it, you have young boys who have a 40, 40 game schedule, who have their own facilities, who have four coaches, who have so all these different things. And obviously the NHL is a whole different thing because it's their own engine. But there are steps to take where you can make partnerships and start creating and moving. And we were just like, we need to start going in one direction here to create some kind of get some more games going here. This is the Bold Idea Podcast. Well, I mean, this is probably a good time to take a pause from this episode and thank our listeners who've supported the Bold Idea Podcast. You are the reason we exist. This is a nonprofit. That means we don't make profit off of doing this. This <laughs> costs money. So if you're the people exactly. out there that are supporting us and donating to us, you're the reason that we've been able to do this for over a year. And we'd love to be able to do this for another year or two and bring on more amazing guests. So we would love your support. If you feel so led, just go to boldideapodcast.com forward slash donate. And thank you again. So I'm assuming what you guys did has a ripple effect and it's probably, yeah. And I'm sure you guys are either inspiring or motivating or catalyzing other women to make a move somewhere else, even if it's not in this country. What have you heard? What have you guys started? We, it's a good point when we have heard even, you know, it's so interesting when you're kind of in the middle of it, you don't really think, you, you don't think at all. I mean, I personally didn't think what an effect it would last. Obviously, like I mentioned, I knew I was doing it for my niece, my cousins, Khalil Essa. Like I could rattle off a ton of different girls who I've coached and grew up with. And But we also, within the boycott, and then obviously since, have received and um, been reached out to by people playing in leagues over in seas. We've been reached out by other national team members of Sweden, Finland, China. Like you kind of can go down the list and just asking for advice or saying thank you for being the voice that we don't have. Because with you guys leading the way and enacting this change, now we have someone we can model it after. Kind of, kind of like that. Just like you know, we didn't just start on our own. We had remarkable, a ton of great wise leaders who were older, who had been there, and most notably, as far as a team, it was the women's soccer team. I mean, what they have done and been able to accomplish is just absolutely amazing. They're one, obviously, they're one of the most successful women's programs ever. But then to see how strong they were so long ago with when Mia Ham, it was the Mia Ham, Julie Foudy, like just you talk about all time greats for a woman, a girl to look to, regardless of sport. It's like holy smokes! Like look at what they did, you know. I think in maybe was it two thousand one? I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but you know, just moving that forward, and then obviously now with what you know the Carly Lloyds the Alex Mark Morgans the Abby Wombacks have done in the most recent years and I still have um, a crush so, on pretty much all of them yeah, <laughs> I, I know they're such good athletes I just it's so fun and you know it's something that is invaluable for a little girl growing up like yes is it for me growing up yes was it fun to watch Chris Carter with the Vikings and Tori Hunter with the Twins and I could rattle off a ton of guys, professional sport, professional athletes who are unbelievable. But that's not the point. Like it's nothing compared to watching Michelle Akers, Julie Foudy, Serena Williams, Annika Sorn. Like you start rattling, like it's just like holy cow. Like it puts it in a different perspective for a girl to watch a woman compete. Like it's just unbelievable. And so it's really cool for us 
to kind of be in that position for young girls, but even more so, like I mentioned those names, because we were received a lot of wisdom and advice from them. Um, and just to be like, wow, so-and-so contacted us or holy cow, that's, this is how they did it. And this is what they went through. And it was just, it's cool to kind of be that for other national teams now, or even other sports um, around the world as well. Has anything brought your guys' teams together, like the Women's Hockey USA team and the Women's USA soccer team? Has anything brought your two teams together so you guys can celebrate the movement you guys have started? Just recently, yeah. They were part of our victory tour. And so after we won the gold medal, we went on about a 10-day victory tour across the country from LA and then ended in New York City. And along the way, one of my highlights, like there, obviously there's a lot of highlights within that, but mm-hmm. one of the coolest things was we went um, to Newark, to Red Bull Stadium and watched Team USA, the women's team, soccer team, play France. And I, it was un, it was so cool. One, just watching their athleticism and just their skill is just mind blowing because I'm not a soccer player. I play soccer. Like we always, hockey players usually play soccer um, as warm-ups where you just tap the ball around and keep it up and see how long you can keep it up. But as far as the actual game, I've never played it. So I'm like, <laughs> I have so much respect for what they do. But even more than that, watching all the girls, there are so many young girls who filled that stadium and just, they were going nuts. They were cheering. They were so excited. And then after the game, the women's national team ran around um, the base of the field and just kind of tapped everyone's hands, signed autographs, signed their posters, took pictures. Like that's kind of was really fun for us to see uh, such a successful national team with such an imprint in um, the country. I mean, they have, like they're clearly the most well-recognized team in women's team in the country. And it was just really special to, you know, hang out with them, meet them, celebrate with them after that. They'd be, France, and then we were able to hang out for a while after that. But um, yeah, it's, it was a really cool thing because not only did we get to hang out with them, but then we had um, Serena. We were able to hang out with Serena and Venus Williams about two days later in New York City at a tennis event, and just to see, I mean, uh, it's just unbelievable to be around such great female athletes. That's so cool. Yeah, and she's made a comeback from her injury as as you have as well. Um, Talk about that. Prior to the 2014 Olympics, you suffered a pretty chronic hip injury, didn't you? Yeah, that was uh, pretty brutal. That was pretty rough. I uh, um, had been feeling a ton of pain, especially leading up to the 2014 Olympic Games, um, so bad that our locker room was on the second level and of a rink. So you have to go down and upstairs every day for practice two times a day. And I was going up and down backwards because I, I couldn't handle it my hips, the flexion. I had, I was like, basically I had to save myself for the ice every day. But so that coupled with a high pain tolerance coupled with as an athlete, you, I'm like, I can't miss the Olympic games. Like, I don't want to deal with this. You kind of, I just kind of like didn't really deal with it. Yes. I got treatment and stuff, but it just broke down on me. And so I ended up having to take like, I couldn't even do chin-ups. I couldn't even hang from the bar. It hurt so bad because it moved. <laughs> and you, and it you moved. kept going, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. And I just was like, I tell you what, Isaiah 40, I would say it every single day, all the day, like just leaning on the Lord's strength. Like I'm not even kidding, which I caution young athletes now. I'm like, there's a, yes, your mind is crazy and God can really get you by in strength, but there's also something where you got to listen to him. Listen you know, to and, your body. 
<laughs> yeah, you got to address it. And I, I kind of went full tilt the other way. But uh-huh. so I ended up losing a whole year. Um, but bug, and basically, what I, the easiest way to describe it is every single attachment um, to my hip, every single muscle attachment to my hip, like my vastus lateralis, my adductor, my T-band, my... Um, I could list all <laughs> muscles. I knew all of like those was, for sure. <laughs> it was, it, they were all basically just destroyed and I needed mm-hmm. to take an entire year off. I didn't get surgery because surgery wouldn't have healed it. I had some issues that I probably could have done surgery, but it wouldn't have addressed a deeper issue. And what's interesting is um, that whole year I took off right after the 2014 games, it, was, it coincided with the year of discipleship training I took at my church and um, it's just by God's grace that that timing totally paralleled because here hockey stripped away. Here I am doing this grueling rehab, um, very challenging. I've never sat for an entire year of hockey um, yet God came alongside and put me in this intensive discipleship training school, which was just unbelievable. And here I am thinking I have this kind of physical injury where, you know, I kind of could feel it. Well, I definitely knew I had it. Like I, but I just kind of put it in the clause that I don't want to deal with it. Well, now I have to deal with it. Well, God also worked on my heart so deeply and I'm so grateful because he completely changed me in so many drastic ways by, you know, everyone kind of, I guess the simple parallel to that is, you know, you have these emotional wounds that you just say, ah, I'm not going to deal with those. I'm going to push through them. But that affects how we in- interact, it affects how we think, it affects how we treat ourselves, how, uh, one another. And, you know, I'm just so thankful because in that time I got to grow so much in my relationship with the Lord, but then he opened my eyes to so many different things within um, this discipleship training school. And so not only did my physical body get forever changed, but like emotionally and like inside and spiritually, God completely changed and just really, you know, I like to say, well, you know, I played hockey before and I played hockey after, but there's such a difference with the attitude, with your mindset, with how it, God, how I look at things now. And I'm so grateful because like, you know, it was such his timing that mm. it all fell in, in line. Was it hard getting back? Absolutely. Was it challenging? Yes. Were there times where I'm just like, I don't, you know, of course, but it's so strengthened. Just like in Romans, it talks about suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope, which in that does not disappoint. And it's just so evident looking back that, God, all the rehab physically, yes, is important. And yes, I'm grateful that I can could skate again and I could talk for hours about that. But there's such a deep value that is so eternal and so not just physical and so affects every single day life that, you know, holy cow, it's unbelievable. I'm so grateful. <laughs> I'm so grateful wow. for it. And like every day, obviously we grow more into his likeness, but I'm very thankful for that specific, intentional, super intense time where I had the resources with this built-in discipleship training school where I had the resources to kind of really sit down and evaluate, okay, what is going on here? What is What did God create me for? What are these emotional wounds? Or what are these things that I think so easily in this world, we tend to, ah, you're tough enough. Ah, let's not really deal with it. Oh, so-and-so said this or did this to you a couple of years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And you're just like, it's not going to affect me. Well, that's absurd. You know, we we all know how much things affect us, whether it's they yeah. grow up in bitterness or they grow up in hatred or they completely affect how 
you know, you have a preconceived hardened notion of hardness in your heart. And you're just like, can't even deal with some people and, or you just kind of, yeah. So everyone has those, but it's just a matter of thankfully God is like, no, we're going to, del- we're going to address this. <laughs> we're definitely going to address it. Someone would have asked me before if I had any things, I would have been like, no, are you kidding me? I'm good. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. God wanted to treat my body, but more so treat my heart and my mind and just really kind of, gosh, I'm so grateful. Yeah. So I'm curious. It sounds like it's one of those looking back on your life and seeing that that was a profound shift and change for you time, right? That discipleship training program that you went through. Oh, it, it definitely was. I mean, it was about 40 hours a week where um, we have class time, but then, and it's all these, everyone who attends, it's all, they're all full-time, they all have full-time jobs as well. And so that just goes to show you, I mean, they're committing 40, 50 hours a week to their job, but then they're also committing 40 hours a week to this, to the Lord in the sense. And it's just like, you really don't have, I, I mean, I'm just blown away. You have, I mean, we had class every about three, four hours a night, Tuesday, Thursday, and then Saturday, Sundays. But then in addition to that, you have reading, <clears throat> but, you know, discipleship groups, service groups where you, and then probably my favorite thing was um, just because I love it and have such a passion for it is, you know, go street ministry, just going out. And I didn't even know people did that these days. Obviously <laughs> you, read the, you read scripture and you're like, yeah, Jesus tells go take the 72 and just take nothing with you and go trust in the Lord and ask him and just talk to people. Yeah, like I read that in scripture, but wow, people actually walk the streets today in Boston, in Florida, in Minnesota, and actually say, pray to God and say, God, lead me to who you want to minister today. Use me in whatever way you want. Give me courage and just randomly start off conversation with people. And I cannot tell. So we would do that two hours every single week, every Friday. And it was, or even more throughout the day, because you start to, Obviously, with anything, you need kind of like a structure and then it becomes natural. So you, that's the whole intent is to do it naturally within your life, whether you're at the grocery store, whether you're at the, in the, for me, I'm in the weight room a lot. So whether I'm in the weight room, how to just be quick to, and that was probably the coolest thing is realizing, holy cow, like, yeah, let's go out and chat with people. Let's go start <laughs> conversations. Let's go pray with people. In let's my go. weight room, everybody has headphones on. So it's a little, <laughs> little, a little harder. Yeah. Hey, I, I am curious though, as you look back at that time, was there was there a core message that Jesus was saying to you there? That what what was he what was he speaking into you at that time that you needed to believe? You know, there was just there was so much. I think God was just opening my eyes up to a whole nother aspect of following Jesus and just His presence. Just like I said with that example of street evangelism. Mm-hmm. I mean, just simply asking God daily. Um, and inviting him into your life in a more prevalent way, I guess I would say. Like, obviously be intentional and there's quiet, everyone does, like, I shouldn't say everyone, but, you know, there's obviously, you go to church, there's Bible studies, there's worship nights, there's quiet times every time daily. But like, I don't know, I think it was even more so, not only did we grow so much in knowledge, because you think about it, anytime you put that much time towards studying or discussing something, obviously like you, increase in knowledge, but it was more so just just the sheer love and kindness of God to constantly be with us all. Like just, I don't know, it's such a simple concept, yet it's, I find it very easy how often I could go about my day or simply meaningless things. Like when I run my business for hockey school, I mean, I there are so many emails that you send or like registration information or con- and 
sometimes you can get lost in the monotony of it. But I just through this training school, actually, one day I remember because I was practicing, okay, asking God, like inviting the Lord kind of into doing your typical things where you're like, ah, who cares? You know, you can just get by, which, yeah, you can't get by. But God didn't come to just get by. He came to give abundant life mm-hmm. in everything we did. And so here I am also in that, that for whatever reason, obviously the Holy Spirit spoke to me, but like I remember that. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? This doesn't have to be monotonous and boring. God, what do you think about these emails or what should I do? And all of a sudden I got this really, so when I start getting a confirmation for a kid coming to my camp, not only do, like, I usually get stoked. I'm like, yes, the kid's coming. <laughs> but now when I send emails or at, cause I'm not very much, I don't like admin stuff. Like it's challenging for me. It's definitely not my gifting, but I found so much joy because now I just say a prayer, Lord, you know, would you pray for, and I put the name or I, I pray for the kids and their family for safe travels that the kids would develop relationships that were long lasting when they come. And then when they, and I just always, when I had sent, I say, Lord, would they, when they open this message, I pray that they open their eyes. You open the eyes of their hearts to let them know yeah. how deeply you love them. Like it's just it's something good. simple, right? But it's totally transformed it, my life in one simple aspect. You move from task-minded to missions-minded, right? It's your right. really kingdom work here that you're talking about. That's that's awesome. All right, Jesus, this is the second to last question. And uh, in 30 seconds or less, if you could, if someone, especially a woman, is considering some big move right now, something that requires a lot of boldness, a lot of courage, and a lot of zeal, what would you say to them? I would say, I would say the Lord said, put it on your heart, do it. And I think for like the biggest thing is share it with two of your like girlfriends, obviously. I mean, I've found so much strength. Like I told you like this the whole time before, we had other teammates there who were encouraged and support and God didn't create us to do things by ourselves. And so whether they're a part of this significant change with you or if they're kind of across the country, but with you in spirit, that's huge. And so for me, I would say have faith and have courage, but then also invite other people in so that they know and can be praying with you and encouraging you throughout this first step or multiple steps that you'll be taking. Mm, Very awesome. good. Yeah, it's great. So if someone wants to bring you in to speak or just wants to get in contact with you, how do our listeners get a hold of you? I think the easiest is probably just Twitter and Facebook. I'm I'm on there. I know a lot of people are on Snapchat and Instagram and all these different things, but I You're not? <laughs> I've never been yeah, I can't keep up with all that. I'm pretty, I'm pretty like old school, I would say. Right. And even in Twitter, I'm sometimes challenging the post quite often. But I do right. enjoy hearing from the kids and love meeting people when I'm out speaking or out in their neighborhood. Well, we'll put your Twitter link and your Facebook link on our show notes so that our listeners can get at that. And uh, Gigi, just want to uh, thank you again for being on the Bold Idea Podcast. Really appreciate the time you spent with us. And, you know, you kind of made my day. I hear what I know what it's like now to be an Olympic champion. I can say that I know what it's like. <laughs> no, I can't actually say that. But, <laughs> but I can say that I talked to somebody who knows what it's like. So thank you for being on the program. Yeah, well, thanks, you guys. Thanks so much for inviting me and enjoy the rest of your day. You too. God bless you. Bye. Well, Armin, that's, uh, that's Gigi. She's probably more fun to chat in this session than when she gave her presentation. I mean, you know, we're watching <laughs> her give a presentation, yeah, right? Yeah. But just kind of get the nuances behind that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, what I think what, what struck me is her faith. I uh, Sometimes when you see people speak at the Minnesota Prayer Breakfast, you think, 
well, you know, it's a Christian event for the yeah. most part. Yeah. So you're going to have your Christianese ready, right? Exactly. And, exactly. Uh, which is what I would do. <laughs> All right. Knowing my Put target. your Christian on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But just talking to her, like you, you can tell this, this faith thing isn't, uh, it, it's, it's not a perception thing. It's not saying the right thing. I mean, it's, it's genuinely in her DNA. It, yes. is, it is, it is a big part of her life. It's not a piece of her life. It is a big part of her life. It's her heartbeat. You know, and it sounds like a pivotal moment for her transformation. That was, was what she described at the very end, you know, when she went through this rather intensive discipleship training process. Yeah. But it reminded me of, um, of the whole idea I heard a long time ago is probably, you know, moving into tritism now, but you know, there's, there's a, uh, 10 inches between your heart and your brain. And, and uh, so getting something that we might know about God into yeah. our heart. Yeah. And it sounds like that was the transformation process that she went through that made her th- this, like she sees the world through that lens. Now she sees, right. as it says, you know, in, in second Corinthians chapter five, it says, therefore we regard no one from a worldly point of view, mm. you know, and that is to say, we now see them in the way that God would see them. We don't right. see them in the way that we want to, which is transactional. And what are, what can they do for me now? But <laughs> she sees them. And in that way, I mean, I felt, I thought of that verse when she was describing that because that really truly is a transformation that we go through. when We start to say, Oh, now this is really kingdom kind of awareness. This is kingdom work that's being done. I can be praying for these people. I can, I can see there's opportunities here to interact with people that might serve a bigger agenda than myself. And, uh, right. and, and that's because she's got that love for Jesus. And it's just, it, it, you're right. It's infectious. It's fun to listen to. It's just like, tell me more. No doubt. No doubt. Um, so I, so I think we, we agreed that uh, even before doing this, that the theme that we got from Gigi was just that there's a, there's a time to act, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and I think in reading that, there's a few points that I took away from her. Um, and I, I think it goes in this order and tell me what, if you agree or disagree. But it sounds like when it's a time to act, the action requires, no matter how bold the action might be, it requires faith. It requires a willingness to sacrifice and it requires action. But then it follows back up with after you act, more faith because yeah. you don't know what the outcome of that action is going to be. Like they did not know, okay, we're, we're taking this big, bold act of faith. There's no way for us to know the outcome. We could literally be blacklisted and not even get to do what we've been training for yeah. all our lives. Basically. Exactly. So, that sacrifice is almost forward looking because you don't know what you're giving up. And that makes it, all the more meaningful because you may be giving up your entire future here for her. She said, you know, she's a 12 year veteran, but, and, and so clearly that means they don't have many more years to go to the Olympics. Right. Right. And and if you're first year, well, then you don't get a chance to prove yourself. So along that whole spectrum, everybody's weighing it in terms of their costs. But when you don't know whether you're going to go or not. And when she said they cut out five of nine games, you know, that's a, that's a lot of, of loss, you know, (laughs) that's a lot of loss for what is a principle to which they themselves might gain a little, but what they're really looking for is the gain for those future generations, as she said. And again, that I I think that represents the transformational work that God did in her life to say, well, we want to, I'm going to reorient you. I'm going to reorient you from thinking about just the things that might make your life better, but really how can you play, 
pay that forward? How can you be looking now for those that, that are beyond you, which yeah. is, which is bigger, bolder. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the sacrifice I heard them say is that no matter the worst case scenario that could play out here, that's okay because we realize the purpose behind this action isn't for us. It's for a future generation. And if they get to benefit and we have to suffer, it's worth it. You know, and I think that kind of missional um, purpose behind the sacrifice or behind the action makes it so powerful, you know, because you realize you're standing in front of someone who is willing to lose it all and bet it all. And then the question becomes, are you? If yeah. you're the one going toe to toe with that person, well, I can see why Esther was an inspiration. I mean, for yeah. such a time as this, I mean, yeah. uh, you you may have to suffer loss in order for this to be uh, realized as a gain for others, and uh, that's that's quite an Esther story, really. Yeah, in in a small way. I mean, what Esther did was you know amazing, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but but when we take those Esther like moments in our own life where we say. Uh, I may have to give up something that I'm hoping for in the future in order for others to benefit from it. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's kind of the Esther likeness here. And that's uh that takes a bold, that takes bold courage. And the fact that, uh, you know, 23 of them banded together to do that. Yeah. Um, that's, that says something, you know, I, 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 this is my last piece and I'm done talking, but Oh, sure. <laughs> I, promise, I am. I am. I promise. We can, we, can, we can wrap up. We can wrap up. As a father with two daughters, and as we have more kids, I have very little faith. Uh, my Y chromosome works, so I'm assuming going to have more girls. <laughs> Not that I have any issue with that. I love my girls. But I would say that um, as a father with two girls and more to come, that a woman like Gigi and all the rest of her team and the American soccer team these are the women as a father I will always be forever grateful to because they're setting up a future that looks better than the present or the past. And uh, for people who are willing to sacrifice so my kids can have a better future than they did, man, those are, those are, uh, those are people whose feet I'd love to wash, you know? Yeah. So I'm grateful to Gigi and her team and all the soccer. A women. Amen, brother. I am too. And uh, I think the lesson for me out of all this is really what we did decide to encapsulate this as a title for the show is there is a time to act and there's a time to act for each of us in our own lives where we're not just giving up something for ourselves. We're giving up something for the benefit of other people. And I think that in each of our lives, we're going to have those opportunities be on guard for them because that is when our faith gets put to test and we got to put our faith to work. And uh, this is such a great example in uh, Gigi's testimony here today. And I just, right uh, I'm just thankful for that. Okay. Well, we hope you enjoyed the program. And we'd love to get your comments on the show. And uh, you can certainly find out more about how to reach Gigi uh, on our show notes at boldideapodcast.com slash 71. We'd love for you to leave us a comment there or call our show line at 612-568-IDEA, 612-568-IDEA. 4332. And as always, we enjoy a review of the show over at boldideapodcast.com slash review. And that will show you how you can leave a review on iTunes or uh, on the Google Play or Stitcher or wherever. We would love to have a comment uh, left there as well. And as you as you may not know, uh, we have a blog. Our guests also, uh, from time to time, will put a blog up on our program. And uh, if you want to receive that, sign up simply by going to boldideapodcast.com uh, scroll down till you see the the blog and uh, and sign up to receive our show notes and blogs 
automatically sent to you in your inbox. You don't need to do anything. How's that for lazy, bold inspiration? So this is Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Until next time, we're saying go, be bold, and put your faith to work. You've been listening to the Bold Idea Podcast. To get our show notes sent to your inbox, visit boldideapodcast.com.